Welcome to Beyond the Bullet Points, a podcast from Stoddard's Ranging Guns, where Ken Bay explores the personalities, histories, and drive behind Stoddard's brands and the organizations it supports. Marty Daniel remembers working from a young age. He grew up in Georgia, outside of Savannah, where his family owned windmill-powered sawmills. When he was in grade school, he sold watermelons and boiled peanuts on the side of the road, and he picked tobacco over the summers. It was hard work, but he worked with a lot of people whom he considered family. He also spent time with his real family working in the sawmills. After failing out of college twice, Marty went back for a third time, And while he was in college, he got a job cleaning up around a construction site. He started a garage door business while living in a trailer. His initial customers were churches. By the way, the third time was a charm for his college degree. Marty made the dean's list after the first quarter, and he graduated with a degree in electrical engineering and technology. From installing garage doors, Marty ventured into an industry where he had no prior experience, building components for rifles and then ultimately building the entire rifle. When he started Daniel Defense in 2001, he had $32,000 in sales for the year. In 2016, Daniel Defense topped $73 million in sales, and his work family, as he views his employees, has grown to more than 270 strong. When I spoke to him several weeks ago, he was in the process of completing a move into his newly built 300,000-square-foot, $29 million production and office facility. Thank you for taking some time to talk with me today. I understand I'm sitting near your new facility Yeah, uh, that's about to open. Is that right? It is. We are actually in that building. We are uh, all, but our, all but our office staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the, all the manufacturing's in. Actually, they're moving the last piece of equipment today as we speak. I saw mm-hmm. the, uh, the last hammer forge uh, on the trucks being transported down to the new location. So uh, that's pretty exciting. Uh, and But everything's up and running down there on the manufacturing floor. So we got a, uh, a CO, a certificate of occupancy, about a month ago on the manufacturing floor. So we started, or maybe two months ago. So we started moving in equipment, getting all that set up, and it's all that's really just going now. It's, now we're uh, now we're in there with, you know, we have our our server systems here, and we're putting in new server systems down there, and tra- and then that transition's got to happen, and you know, a lot of punch list type things, and so the office is just not quite ready. But uh, how how big is the facility? It's three hundred thousand square feet. Wow, what does it take to move a hammer? forge machine <laughs> well it has to come apart <laughs> into about six pieces because it's so big and and uh awkward and heavy um and and we are uh so we we have two hammer forges the first one we moved was the first thing we moved in the building and the and the second one is the last thing we're moving and that's because they take they take a much longer than the other equipment to get back up and running but we also have done up we did upgrades to even though the the first one we moved was fairly the hammer forge is only a couple of years old we actually uh, did some upgrades to it to make it more like the old old girl that we that we had that we uh, um that we just liked the way we had it had it set up and now we got both machines set up identically so that so that we can run any barrel through 
through either machine, which is very, in manufacturing is very important because if one goes down, you don't you want to be able able to run whatever is critical through through the your your backup machine. How did you come to decide to build this new facility? Um, well, we had uh, we had to build. We we were we I think we were really at a uh, and it's very it's very undefined. It's hard to explain, but I feel like we were at a ceiling uh, with our growth. Um, we, we were, you know, uh, having manufacturing problems, uh, you know, some problems that we, we were catching these problems, but they were expensive problems. Right. And, and it's, uh, just not having the right people in the right place. So we've got some really great plans for growth in the future. And we really had to number one, have more space because we were completely out again, uh, and number two, we had to have we had to really get everybody in one place to be as good as we uh, as we need to be to to get to the next get next level. Just as far as I could send a guy with a with a with a with a truck to go install a garage door, and um, and so we and we had a great market share uh, in that in that radius, uh, and so I felt like I, I think we were bigger than uh, everybody else. Uh, we probably had, you know, had a bigger market share than our competitors combined in the space we were in. So it was really, really a good market share, and it was a good living, and it was it was fun. But it, I just always kind of wanted to do more, uh, and I wasn't cha- wasn't really as challenged with that as I wanted to be. We talked about how Marty went from garage doors to firearms. He explained how frustration with a less than perfect golf game helped to make him the success that he is today. Well, it, it actually. Uh, the story goes actually that my, my golf game sucked and I literally was talking with a friend and that, uh, actually that friend is, uh, Ashley Burns that owns Blue Force gear. Uh, so he and I, uh, were talking one day, uh, and he said, you know, I, I was actually complaining to him about my golf game cause we lived across the road from each other and, and, uh, we were friends and he's like, you know, we, we can go clear this range off back here. And, uh, and start shooting and you'll come home relaxed rather than coming home uh, ticked off about how bad you played golf. Cause I was, I was horrible. Right. I, and, and I played just enough to want to be good. Uh, I'm very competitive. I don't like to lose. Right. And so it just wasn't, wasn't my game and it was frustrating. So, and he was right. Started shooting and um, just kind of shifted from, from golf to shooting, made a decision, shifted. And uh, that's where I fell in love with the type of guns that we now sell. And uh, I've, I've hunted all my life, so I've always had shotguns and rifles, and uh, but just had never done any like shooting for the fun of shooting or shooting for training. And uh, that's that's what we were doing. I think a lot of people will take comfort knowing that that being a poor golfer can lead to other exciting things in life. So <laughs> many share your frustration. Yeah, I think that, that I think when I tell that story, everybody everybody relates to it. It seems so. It's not evidently not only me that's frustrated <laughs> with golf. So, what, what was your first major risk in in starting this business? Um, well, you know, there's always risk in business. Um, I think. This business kind of started as a hobby and then kind of grew into, you know, I, had, I was building some components people liked. They really enjoyed them. They appreciated me, and it was fun, and I was making a little money, and I was thinking, well, I can buy more ammo, right? It was just kind of a, you know, support the habit uh, uh, business. 
then at some point we had an opportunity to um, bid on a, on a project for our special forces. And uh, at that point in time, it was 2003, I had this real – a lot, a lot of things come together to make you make a decision, right, to take a risk. One of them was just the urge to serve, right, because I, I never was in the military. And, and to think that we might have an opportunity to sell products that our special forces guys would use, I, I just thought was really uh, would be really rewarding for me to feel like I was doing something that might make a difference. And um, so I, that that was a very strong feeling. and um, And then – you know, just the feedback we were getting from our consumers that liked, loved our products um, that we were already selling was was good. And uh, and then so we we just ended up really investing. Uh, I had no manufacturing capabilities at the point. I was subcontracting everything out, and you know, design work was very expensive, and prototyping was very expensive. And so I ended up just spending really a lot, uh, making like the biggest risk investment I'd ever made. That honestly, if, if I hadn't gotten that contract, I, I would have figured out how to make it, but it was going to be a big hole to dig out of. Uh, and I understand you, you borrowed some money from your dad initially. Is that yeah, right? I went. I went to. I went to the bank actually, and and took my dad with me. He had agreed to, you know, be the to provide the collateral. So we, he he actually put the family farm up. That is, uh, that was my great great grandfather's. You know. Um, my, gr- my great grandfather, at least, I'm not sure about great great, but my great grandfather's that my daughter's named after, and um, and so he put that up for collateral. I remember walking out of the bank, and he was moving a little slower than me. I was walking ahead of him. I opened the door, and and he he was uh, behind me, and I was remember walking out thinking, I'm not sure I'd have done that if I was him, uh, but he was a great supporter, and he had seen me. I think uh, he had, it's really interesting the shift that we made over time because he was very hard on me when I was growing up, um, and and he and no, it, things were never quite good enough no matter how well I did. And then we kind of moved to a place where he saw me overcome uh, failures and knew that I had the that whatever he could see from what I had accomplished in the past, though it may be small that whatever I uh, attempted to do, I was going to figure out a way to be successful at it. And I, I understand you you paid him back. Is this correct? Oh, yeah. The bank got paid off. Uh, uh, that was actually a funny story. He he was uh, – oh, he's passed away now, but he was getting older. And we had a we had a party here at this location outside, and I had all our employees, and I was kind of thanking him for – I was telling them this story because nobody knew this story. Uh, and I was telling my employees because I wanted them to understand what a risk that he had taken and how, how he had meant, uh, you know, his support had helped me along the way. And, I, and so I stood up and I told this story and I said, and today we've, you know, paid this note off. And so we're going to tear this note up. And he was, he was eating and uh, he was hard of hearing. And, and uh, he walked over, I walked over and he said, what what were you talking about? <laughs> so he didn't hear anything that I had to say, but other people explained it to him uh, after the day. But I thought that was interesting that he was he was busy eating. It's <laughs> very funny. What was that moment like for him? Uh, it was it was good. I mean he's he he was so proud uh, of uh, of what we were accomplishing here, um, and 
you know, he he'd, uh, it's interesting. Uh, I, I told this, uh, I heard this story at, at his funeral, actually. I was talking to one of my cousins, a second cousin, I think. Uh, so his father was my dad's first cousin, grew up on the same farm, just been divided up now, but, um, and his dad had passed a year earlier, and I'm like, hey, you know, my dad was hard on me. I think Uncle Herbert was hard on you, too. And he's like, yeah, he was, and I've got a theory for that. And I said, really? He's like, yeah, it's called the Sandy Hilly Land Theory. Uh, and it, and he said it's because we've our, our family has scratched out a living on this property, and it's, it's not great dirt. It's sandy kind of land, and it's also hilly. Uh, and, and so no matter how well your crop's doing, if it don't rain next week, it's all going to die, right? And he said, so no matter how well you did, it was never quite good enough because they never knew whether they were going to make it or not. You, you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. A lot of risk in that. Yeah. Yeah. So they were risk takers. And, and then I, I think uh, I heard stories of times where the farming wasn't working and, you know, my grandfather and his brother, uh, you know, there was the family had a, a sawmill that ran off of a, a steam generator and so they started cutting timber and building things trying to figure out what they could do with this resource they had and they ended up being uh very early on building uh, outdoor advertising for like coca-cola and camel cigarettes putting billboards up interesting uh and i'm like well where did where did that come from right you know so they were some to some degree entrepreneurs and uh, those stories i heard get you know gives me confidence to move to move forward. That initial capital helped Marty to secure the government contract that gave Daniel Defense that next big push to success. Some new equipment, including Daniel Defense's first hammer forge machine, followed. Hammer forging is a manufacturing process where you shape metal using compressed force. It was first used in making airplane and automobile parts before gun manufacturers in the United States started using the process to make gun barrels. In this case, you take a long piece of steel, cut it into a shorter steel rod. Then, the bore of the rod is drilled, and that steel rod is placed into a cold hammer forge machine, as opposed to a hot hammer forge process. The cold hammer forge machine drills a more accurate hole through the steel rod to create the rifling inside the barrel, and then it is hammered to stretch that piece of steel into an accurate quality rifle barrel blank. Ultimately, the blank is machined further and crafted into the rifle barrel for a Daniel Defense rifle. This process creates a very accurate and durable barrel. We started out, I think 2008, we bought our first piece of CNC equipment. And then in 2009, we bought a hammer forge. And uh, it was a really, that was also, so uh, poor Rob, I hired him. He, he's, our, he's over our manufacturing engineering now. He's probably got 25 people working for him that are constantly learning new processes, improving processes. They basically define how we build things. Um, and uh, when I bought that hammer forge. I'm like, Rob, I'm not sure how this thing works. And he, he said, well, I don't either. <laughs> I don't know how it works either. We'll figure it out. Uh, but just that spirit that I've surrounded people with uh, around me that just have that spirit of, hey, if anybody can do it, we can do it. Uh, and we might even do it better than, you know, than somebody else. How did you learn how to do all of this coming um, from hanging doors? 
Well, it was uh, again, it's just uh, surrounding yourself with smart people. Uh, and uh, always, I've always had, uh, I think, and I think that's very important for for kids and for and not and for adults too. But I've always had this comp, for some reason, had a confidence that if somebody else could do something, then I don't, then why can't I do it? Right? I, I think I can do. I might not be able to be better than somebody else, but I can be as good as at, at least, right? And, and then I think some of our uh, some of our successes uh, that we've had early on have been because we didn't know better than just to try to figure out the best way. So where maybe our, some of our competitors might have been doing the something the same way for a long time, we might have said, "Well, what's the best way to do that?" So let's go figure that out. Um, and so we're not maybe stuck in uh, an old way of doing things because we're looking to be you know, to, to willing to learn and, and uh, don't really don't know any better. <laughs> Sandy Hilly Land, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, what what were the first parts that you started manufacturing? So that was yeah, back to the uh, back to the early days on the range. Uh, I, I fell in love. I, I had a couple of Colt early Colt uh, ARs with the with the big front pin. Uh, I don't know if you know what that yes. is. Uh, so I wanted a flat top upper for, for mine because all the ones I had had carry handles and nobody made such a thing. So that, that was the first part that I wanted four of, uh, was the big hole upper and it was rocket science, right? It was changing from this, from a, this size hole to this size hole. <laughs> so it was really, really innovative, but you know, no, it did, it did fit the market. The market did appreciate it. Uh, it's not, it wasn't a big market, still not a big market, but, uh, but the people who wanted one appreciated it, right? So. That's great. And you decided to build it yourself. Yeah, I, I ended up, um, you know, I wanted the four parts. Nobody would, uh, I, I was still subcontracting everything out at that point. I ended up talking a company into making a hundred of those. Uh, that's the least they would make because they had to do setup, call, you know, setup fees, which we clearly understand at this point. Uh, and I only wanted four and instead of, hey, all I can do is, I think they were trying to push me away to say, I, I'll only sell a hundred. And I'm like, Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> you know, so. Uh, and now you build every part for your uh, of your rifle. Yeah, so, almost right? every part. We're, there's still a few pieces that we haven't haven't done, but um, we're we have the know how to build everything in the gun. What does it take to go from starting a business like you did to growing it to where you you have? What are the, what are the greatest challenges that you you faced in this think, process over the years? I think I think the challenges for me have been. My uh, my personal growth. I mean, I um, I've I, I read uh, every. I'm reading a book a week. Uh, I read all the time. I'm I'm learning all the time, and I'm having to do that in order to keep up with all these smart people I'm hiring that are taking taking us, you know, taking us higher and further. Um, so I have to study in order to in order to get to stay stay ahead of. Uh, of where where we are today, where we're going tomorrow, where we want to be long term, and what all things what what are the things that I need to be paying attention to between now and then, and what what um, what theories do I believe that I want to that I want to stay in touch with so I don't miss something moving forward? If that makes sense, it does. Any good takeaways? Anything you've read that really resonated? Um, yeah, there's oh well, gosh, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of them. Um, we um, uh, one one of the thing one of the books that I read 
re- a couple of books I read recently. One was uh, the book Grit, uh, and it, it's it's a success book. And so we've had some success. I've read a few books to try to figure out how we got here, right, and to see if th- what they're saying fits with what we're doing. And uh, th- this book was written by a psychologist, uh, Angela somebody, and uh, she. So the book was really deep, and it was like just not. Not really fun to read. Not a really fun to read book. But right in the middle, she had this formula, and I'm like, so I'm, the engineer and me like, okay, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I, I got pulled that out of the book. That was really what I gained from the whole book, uh, and it was that success equals talent times work squared. Hmm. And I thought, well, that's that fits me because I'm not that talented, right? I'm kind of good at a lot of things, but not really good at anything. Um, but I, I put the work in, right? And, and I've surrounded myself with people who are the same way. Uh, we have some very talented people, but again, it, it, does, it doesn't matter about the talent level. It matters about how much work you put in. Um, and so, because the work is squared, right? And, and uh, so anybody can be successful if they put in the work. That's good advice. So I know you had some challenges uh, last couple of years with a, a Super Bowl ad. Uh, what'd you learn from that experience? Uh, that was a fun experience. Uh, I learned that, you know, uh, the, um, there, there are challenges in the gun industry that are different than other, other industries. Right. And that was, that's, that's, uh, something that we learned. So, you know, we, we take away from that. Okay. Uh, that, that kind of leads to the NASCAR stuff that we've been doing. It's, uh, it's a, it's a place that, um, that allows us to reach that, those same uh, viewers, um, but but in a in the in, in an air in a in the racing world, they don't they don't show in the gun industry uh, like the NFL does. I asked Marty about some of the challenges our industry faces. Well, uh, our, all of us in the industry are facing a little bit of a, uh, a correction from you know the political politically driven highs that we've seen over the last couple of years so a little corrections going on that's healthy um uh we've we've made some adjustments to correct ourselves to where we need to be and um i think a lot of companies have done that you know these cycles are not easy right they're very hard right you've had to lay off some people recently and that had to be tough yeah tough Uh, tough days but we we've uh we're we're corrected to the to correct size and we're moving forward and see a lot of opportunity in, in the uh, current market that we're in still, still opportunity to grow our brand in, in your stores and, um, and, and in other stores. And so we're, we're focused on that and uh, also focused on uh, some new products that we got coming. How is that to deal with? How did, what did you tell employees? Is it, it was just clear that the industry had changed? Yeah. Yeah, it, it was clear that it had changed. We waited as long as we could because we value people. Um, and then, but you know, you got to do what you need to do. And as I, as I discussed that with even my own team and my own employees, it's very hard. But when I discuss it with my, my, all of my advisors, my CEO, uh, friends that I, uh, that I'm in a, in a CEO group with, they're like, yeah, this is absolutely what happens. This is what you do. This is, you're doing exactly the right thing. And so, uh, it, it is, uh, it's very, um, it's very good to know that, that the things that we're doing are the right things that still doesn't make them easy, right? It's of course. Still, it's still, when you care about people, it's difficult. Of um, course. What do you look for in, in an employee, in your team? 
uh, I look for people. Uh, that formula really, really helps me look, right? So a lot of t- if I'm looking for, when I'm looking at a resume, I'm looking for people who ha- who started work early, who worked in high school, uh, who worked through college, who ha- have a good work ethic, right? Because, um, and then in certain certain positions, I've looked for people who've put, who've got in, who've got experience in because it takes time to get, to get enough work, you know, to get to the work squared. It takes time to get enough work in, right? So we don't want green people in in um, in high positions, right? They're important important roles. We want people who have experience that. Makes sense. Yeah. So you have a great reputation for giving back. I know we talked a few minutes ago. Uh, I have a lot of respect for that. Um, Stoddard's uh, has uh, aligned itself with organizations like the Special Operations Care Fund and Your Grateful Nation. Um, tell me about some of your passion for, for giving back and some of, of what you feel strongly about. Um, our main uh, our main passion for giving is... is uh, uh, church related. It's really kind of odd that churches and guns are, are together in the same sentence, perhaps, but I, I was, ble- I've been, I feel like I've been blessed with opportunities that just made to some people seem like luck, but to me, uh, seem like blessing. And I, and I feel like it's because of some decisions I made years ago and I continue to make to say, hey, you know, what, what does God want me to, there's a reason we exist, right? What God, what does God want me to do with my life? And it certainly is to support the Second Amendment and it's to support our soldiers. All those things are important. But our, our, our main focus is uh, at some point in time, I, it just got, became clear to me that I, I was able to help some churches build some buildings. And it was very rewarding to me to know that, I had had some effect on what God's plans were, right? I was part of what He was doing, and that uh, and it was some it was a place that I fit, and it was something that I was good at, and something I knew how to do, and it's something I wanted to do, and and so I did those things, and and then the, you know my I feel like a lot of our blessings have come because of that, and that we're continuing to do that as the purpose for why we're here. Does that make sense? It does. What do you do for fun? Um, Still play golf? No, I haven't played <laughs> golf in ten years. But I did go do some quail hunting last Saturday, uh, and I do like to be on the water. I've got a couple of boats. I like to be on the water. Um, I, um, so just looking forward to uh, look forward to being on the water and um, really for fun. What mostly what I do for fun is work uh, because I love what I do. Um, and Cindy uh, works with me, uh, and we we spend time with uh, with our son every day. I try to talk to my daughter every day. I don't some days I miss that, but she's up at uh, uh, University of Georgia, um, and so you know we try to set aside time to do those those family things that we need to be doing. But but we love to work, and so we we. We wake up talking about work, and we go to bed talking about work. And, uh, if you hadn't started Daniel Defense, what do you think you'd be doing today? Um, I would. I, I don't know that I'd still be in the garage door business. Perhaps I would. Um, 
I do know that, uh, you know, the, there was a point in time when the garage door business really got bad during the, uh, um, you know, the housing slump that, that, that happened and lasted for a really long cycle. Um, and there was a point in time where, um, I looked at Cindy and said, man, I don't, I don't think there's enough money for me to draw a paycheck this, this weekend. So I've been in this business for a long time and never had that kind of problem or other than little short lived issues. But, um, so I literally, Hey, go look and see how much money is in the Daniel defense account. And there was, there was money in there and it was growing. I'm saying, okay, well maybe I can start drawing my paycheck out here. So literally we went through a transition while we owned both, on both businesses to to stop drawing a paycheck out of one company that supported uh you know the the growth of Daniel Defense in the early years and then start to start drawing a paycheck out of Daniel Defense. So I, I'm not even sure that, that we'd have made it with that company, you know, just uh so again another another coincidence of being in the right place at the right time, which you know I, I consider a blessing. Anything you would have done differently looking back over the past dozen years? Um, I, I think there'd be a whole, if knowing what I, if the, if the question is knowing what I know today, there'd be a whole list of things that I'd do different because I've made a lot of mistakes, uh, and I've learned so much. Um, if, if the, I don't think there'd be a lot that I would do differently if I didn't know what I know today, but if I did know what I know today, I think, I think probably the one key thing that, um, that every business needs to understand is the ex- how how expensive it how expensive it it is to hire the wrong people. How much it costs you to hire the wrong people, and therefore, how much time and energy you need to spend on hiring the right people. Uh, and we're still not great at that, but we're focused on it, <laughs> right? And we're getting better at it. I asked Marty what advice would he have for young Marty Daniel who had the same dreams of success that he had had. Follow, follow your dreams and uh, don't run out of cash. <laughs> that's, good. that's good advice. And that's try to advice. balance those right. two things. Right, right, right. Because right. <laughs> dreams can be expensive. They can be, yes, yeah. Yes. Um, and, and what's next for Daniel Defense? Um, well, very soon we're going to all be in one building. I'm, I'm very excited about that. I'm looking really forward to um, not only me personally being in that building, but for everybody to be in the same building. Our, our collaboration is going to get so much better uh, and our capability to um, cut out. So uh, we've been we've been struggling with white time, which is time when a project's not being worked on because of the delay between the two buildings where this needs to be done and it's got to wait and go over there. And then it's particularly with you know, new, new, you know, working on new products has really slowed us down. So to have everybody in one place and all the resources in one place and be able to just go here, this, do, you know, do what needs to be done today and not have to wait, uh, is going to be, is going to be very, very helpful. That's exciting. I wish you luck with that. Yeah. Anything else we should know about your, your brand or about Marty or I know Cindy's sitting down at the other end of the table. I know she plays a very large role here. Yeah. She's uh she's my bench strength. I can I can plug her in and she'll provide leadership and that's uh that's that's a key. Uh, and she's doing a great job uh in the role she's in today. 
uh, I'm, you know, looking forward to um, expanding into new new product lines. So we're um, we're, um, we're we're we have one one group of folks that are focused in the semi-automatic rifle um, line, and then I've got another group that are focused on another platform that is completely different than anything we're doing. I got a third group focused on a third segment of our market. Uh, I can't talk about what those are, but just want everybody to know that we are working very hard at not only at continuing to grow the segment that we're in, creating innovative products for that for the segment that we're in, um, but also looking to expand into the greater gun business. What's exciting? Yeah, I wish you luck. Thank you very exciting. much for spending some time to Thanks. talk to me today. I Thanks, appreciate Ken. it. This is Ken Bay. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bullet Points.